This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. A couple of hours we're going to have. It's a busy, busy morning. And, of course, it is the last day of the year. We're going to look forward to what's going to be on the top local story headlines in 2024. And what else is that going to be but the Republican National Convention. So today we're going to look back at some of our interviews that we've had with people in the world of politics, including Milwaukee native Scott Klug. Now, he knows a lot about politics. He started his career as a television news reporter, but he changed careers, serving Madison in Congress for four terms. I asked him, what was it like transitioning from covering politicians to becoming one? You had been covering politicians as a reporter. Now you are one. What was your impression when you first got in there and looked around at the other people who had been there much longer than you? There were folks who got elected with me who were, you know, a small town banker from Nebraska and a guy who'd been a professor. Uh, another guy was a building contractor and they never really spent any time in DC. So when I got elected, I knew what to expect and I knew where to go. And I carried a Metro pass in my back pocket to wander around town because I'd lived and worked in Washington for eight years before then. And I think it gave me a huge advantage coming out of the media because I understood how the press worked. In some cases, I think especially for the local press in Madison, it was harder for them than it was for me because they had to be objective and I was a friend. And when he arrived in Washington, former Congressman Scott Klug decided not to go along to get along. He describes taking on the establishment. Did anybody ever take you aside and say, let me explain how this works? You're definitely going in the wrong direction, and you need to be one of the good old boys. Not in so many words. I actually got advice probably more from people back home who said, you don't want to ruffle feathers. It's going to cause trouble for you. Now, a lot of my constituents loved it and ate it up. But the worst thing in the world you can do is tell a former journalist, don't go there. If anybody ever points to a locked door, that's exactly the place I want to go. And it's sort of what I've always done through my career is to push through those kind of obstacles. And so rather than being sort of bullied by other members, we became part of the story and so folks didn't want to put themselves at risk where we can say that's the guy or that's the woman who's blocking the records we asked for so it was pretty heady times i mean we were on this week with david brinkley on nightline on meet the press on just about everything that was going on it made a reputation for all of us moving forward and for boehner it essentially launched his career to eventually become speaker of the house and I, I'll tell you, this was one of my favorite conversations of the whole year, talking with former Congressman Scott Klug. And if you didn't hear it when we first aired it a month or two ago, you can go to WTMJ.com, check out the WTMJ Conversations page. You can find this interview and so many others. Uh, you know, another interview that I really was excited about here this past year was when I spoke with former Attorney General Bill Barr. If you didn't hear that, we're going to have the entire interview for you during the 9 o'clock hour. And also, here's another one. I was a little bit jealous when I found out that WTMJ's Eric Bilstead was able to sit down with legendary newsman Bob Woodward. And he shared so much insight about his years covering the White House. We're going to bring that to you a little bit later on. Also, speaking of politicians, Wisconsin lost a legend this week, and that, of course, was Senator Herb Cole. Um, Mark Cass, who knew him personally, takes a look at the legacy of this 
really legendary uh, politician. Matt Miller's going to be here. He's going to share his uh, thoughts on the best and worst movies of 2024. Now, if you're looking for a unique way to start the new year, we're also going to tell you about a free family event that takes place tomorrow, and I think you're going to get a kick out of that one. Also, if you haven't figured out how to dispose of your natural Christmas tree yet, we're going to tell you where to take it and also how to enjoy a 12-night celebration with your entire family. Uh, today's kind of a special day. Yes, it's the last day of the year, but there's something significant about it. We're going to tell you about that. We're also going to take a look back at the Week in Review. Jessica Gatso, of course, is in the newsroom. Charlie's here today in for Isaac pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Matt Sossler in sports. I'm Libby Collins. Well, you're not going to be warming up today because we've got below freezing surface temperatures. That means we're going to have some slick and slippery spots all on those uh, roadways, especially near bridges and overpasses. Um, Now, if you're closer to the lake, it's been a little bit warmer there. But as the morning wears on, we're going to see freezing drizzle evolving into snow showers in a wintry mix. Um, We'll probably have some minor accumulations. Uh, You're going to see anywhere from about a half inch to maybe two inches of accumulation throughout the day. Our high temperature is going to be 37 degrees. Then tonight, crowds, clouds are going to go away uh, down to 27. Uh, then the first day of the year, we've got sunshine and 35. Tuesday, partly cloudy and breezy, high of 38. On Wednesday, that's your next chance of flurries with 36 degrees for a high temperature. And uh, the sun moves back in on Thursday with a high temperature of 30 degrees. Currently, looks like there's some light snow coming in. In Racine, 30 degrees there. Oconomowoc has 28. Uh, let's see. Um, in Richfield, it's 29 degrees, and we have 30 degrees at WTMJ at 820, and it's time to check in on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline with Mark Cass. He's the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Mark, it's a sad ending to 2023 when we heard the other evening that former Senator Herb Cole passed away. Now, we know he was 88 years old. He certainly lived a full life. But what will he be remembered for most in the business community? You know, I think, Libby, that it'll be his giving, his generosity. I mean, just amazing when you think about and look at his life in Milwaukee, his career in Milwaukee, but his giving in Milwaukee. We can talk more about his career in terms of the Cole stores and, and obviously the NBA team, the Bucks. But I don't think everybody kind of remembers his last few years, what he did. And that was he basically handed out money, he gave to education, he gave to teachers. He helped clubs. He helped kids. He was all about kids and just really trying to enhance our community and just helping. And, you know, I think as he kind of wound down out of the spotlight a bit, he became a lot more active in that. And to me... His legacy is we are the city we are, not just because of the NBA team, not because of everything else, but because of his generosity. As you look at Milwaukee and who the people are who are helping the city, he is right there among the tops in the history of the city in terms of helping Milwaukee. So I think he'll be remembered as one, just a very nice man, a very accomplished man, and incredibly helpful to the community. You know, we often forget about his early career when he ran the family yeah. business, uh, grocery stores, department stores. What was the impact of those businesses on the community? Yeah, think about that. I mean, I think people in their 20, 25 years old probably don't, don't even know that about her, that he basically ran the company that his father started and grew it into a, you know, a huge business with the grocery stores and then spun off into the department stores and the success of that owning Northridge and Southridge malls. 
and the sale of those malls and what kind of they were all like and had this huge career pre-NBA career and then went into the NBA business in a sense, you know, in 85, you know, people don't remember he saved the Bucks. There was a lot of concern about what would happen with them in 85 if they would leave the city. He stepped up, acquired the team. I'm not sure if anyone's going to believe this. He actually acquired it for $18 million. Let me think about that. $18 million for an That NBA was a bargain. Team. Yeah, that was a bargain because he sold it for just a little bit more than that at five fifty, and then owned it for twenty nine years. Invested a lot of money in the team, invested a lot in the arena, really made that. But then again, coming up in two thousand and fourteen, he made the decision to sell the team. Could have sold it to anybody anywhere in the country. There was a lot of talk about the team actually moving. There's been rumors and, and kind of speculation about offers that were made for a lot more. We now hear afterwards probably a hundred million dollars more, but he sold it to the hedge fund operators out of New York who were going to keep him walking. That was his insistence. But then after that levy, he then stepped up with $100 million of his own money and said, here, I'm going to offer this to help with the new arena. And I remember hearing that thinking, well, what the heck? That's, I mean, that's crazy. What an amazing gesture. You know, $100 million from him, $100 million from the owners. It was a huge step towards the new arena because without that money, I'm not sure if the project happened. So he sold the team, kept it here, and then helped with the new arena. I mean, think about the impact of that. And that's just it. I mean, he was a true philanthropist and yet so humble. Yeah. That, I mean, for those of us who knew him, who had the honor of knowing him, I knew him for 20 years. I've met with him many times. I've had lunch with him. I've talked to him at length. And he's humble, never about himself, always about others in the room. I mean, I always remember he'd ask me about my family. He'd want to know kind of how things were going at the paper. He'd want to talk about his staff, about Joanne, who is one of the longtime employees, who's very loyal to him. He's very loyal to her. He'd want to talk about others. He'd want the spotlight on others. I remember we tried to honor him with an award back in 2015, and it took me weeks just to kind of coordinate him to attend, not only the award winning, he wanted others to be honored. So he was always about others, always about community. And to me, really kind of left an impression that is amazing on this community. What do you think his final legacy in Milwaukee will be? I think it's a couple of things. We are an NBA city as a result of Herb Cole. Again, 85, 2014, what he did, he kept the team here. We would not have had an NBA championship what we had in 21, if not for Herb Cole, because obviously the Bucks would have been gone. I'm not sure if everyone remembers, but he was the head of the team when they drafted Giannis. And clearly the Bucks aren't winning the title without Giannis. I mean, he was obviously the key figure in that. So I think it's being an NBA city, being an impactful city. But I also think you have to look around the city for the things he did, whether it was helping schools. I think his legacy will be his philanthropy his generosity, and what he meant to everyone in the city. The neat thing, Libby, and I'm sure you probably heard this, as I've gone pretty much everywhere over the past few days, everybody has a Herb Cole story. And, you know, all the stories are fun. They talk about how nice he was, how open he was, how even if he didn't know the people, he would sit down with them, he would talk to them, he'd want to know about them. And sometimes as you look at your life, you want to be remembered as a nice guy. Herb Cole was a nice guy who did so much quietly and had a tremendous impact on our city. Well, you know, another thing where people are doing things quietly, it's with the new Milwaukee Public Museum that's going to be built downtown. It's a $240 million project. Yep. Obviously, a lot of people are contributing to that. But when will construction start and how much money have they raised? This is an interesting one. It was supposed to start construction in 23. Obviously, it's not going to happen. So right now, the aim is to start in early 24, have it open in 27. About three months or so from where they want to be. They've raised about 160 of it so far. So they're on their way. There's a lot of money yet to raise. Important project for the community. I mean, I've talked many times about the importance of the museum. We all remember it as kids. We all went there as kids on school trips. The educational thing about it, I think what it'll mean to the city and its new location right near the arena on 6th and McKinley, very important. So they still have work to do, Libby. There's no doubt. And until they're under construction, I 
think there is some concern about it. But they've insisted that they will get this done. They will accomplish it. They raise the money. I think their approach and really having this as a statewide museum and not just from Milwaukee has helped in terms of the fundraising. There's just a lot of efforts underway. The hope is to start in November 24, and hopefully we'll see this underway soon. In a couple years, we'll be there for the opening and seeing what it means to the city. And as we wrap up this year of 2023, we saw a lot of home sales falling in the Milwaukee area. Do you think it's going to continue in the early part of 2024, or are you looking for a rebound? I am looking for a rebound. I think through the end of 23, slowed a bit. Interest rates kind of wore down. We saw home sales stall out a bit. But I think 24, with interest rates on their way down now, hopefully if it's their peak and they're down now around five or so, I think there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of things happening. So I think the home market is going to really increase in the first part of 24. I think the other thing to watch is the high-end apartments. You and I have talked about this. We're going to have the Couture opening in April. We're going to have 333 in the third ward. So you're adding 600 or so high-end units. I'm talking very high-end units into the market. So how will that respond? And, you know, are there going to be more empty nesters like myself who are going to move into the heart of the city? So to me, the housing market's going to be really, really interesting to watch in 24, both for home sales and for high-end apartments, because I think there's going to be a lot of action in each of those areas. And here's a toast to you, Mark Cass, for a very happy new year and a great 2024. Libby, Libby, it's always a great year with you. I think 23 has been a lot of fun. As I said, 24 is going to be even more fun. So really want to say happy new year to you, happy new year to all your listeners. Have a wonderful evening, have a safe evening, and get ready for 24, because it's going to be a lot of fun in Milwaukee. And I think that's good advice from Mark because those roads are going to be a bit on the slippery side today. So you'll want to slow it down. We have 31 degrees at 827. And, uh, oh, coming up in about, oh, I'd say about 15 minutes. Have you heard about voice cloning? How might it affect you? Well, our consumer expert is going to share some information about that very subject. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. We're here for two hours this morning, all the way until 10 o'clock. I'm Libby Collins. Um, Still ahead this hour, we've got Matt Miller joining us. He's going to take a look back at the best and the worst movies of 2023. Well, this past week, there was a close call in Carolina. It was a saucy discovery in La Crosse. And we remembered a Milwaukee icon. There was so much more. It's a Week in Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Merry Christmas and welcome to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show. So, why are we doing this? It's Christmas. No. (laughs) Why are we doing this, what we're doing here? No one's ever grumpy about the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Am I already grumpy? I'm not trying to come off grumpy. Oh, you're smiling. You're great. He's an angry elf. You're a mean one, Mr. Vince. Welcome. I'm Sandy Max. But this time of year, I dress up, decorate, lean all the way in to be Sandy Claus. My gifts to you are treats for your ears. Gasp! Sandy Claus. Over the middle. It's Pass hit the ground with zero on the clock. The game is over. 
disgusting defensive football. That is a disgusting act. Two shootings on Christmas Day. The first around 10.30 when a 34-year-old was shot and injured during a robbery near North Avenue and 27th Street. A Germantown tow driver is accused of impersonating a police officer. A woman reported that someone claiming to be a deputy reached out to her via text message after her vehicle had been towed. In those messages, Anderson would say he could drop charges in exchange for explicit photos or sex acts. Former President Trump blasting a decision in Maine to remove his name from the 2024 presidential ballot. The Maine Secretary of State said she believed the record established that the former president engaged in insurrection after previously swearing an oath to defend the Constitution. The fact that he feels that he needs to lean into being a dictator alone shows that he is a weak and feeble man. Meanwhile, in less than three hours, the Wisconsin Elections Commission denied a complaint filed to attempt to remove Trump from its 2024 ballot. I am simply a brewer from northern Wisconsin, but I care about my country and I care about democracy. And so that's why I am doing this. UW Lacrosse Chancellor Dr. Joe Gao is now out of a job, fired by the UW Board of Regents after it discovered pornographic videos of Gao and his wife. In a statement, Universities of Wisconsin President Jay Rothman saying the Regents had learned of conduct from Dr. Gao he described as abhorrent. She's Carmen. And he's Joe. And we are the the sexy, happy couple. There's no question that our company holds us to a standard of behavior out in public. I'm never not the host of this radio show as you're never not the chancellor at UW Lacrosse. I think the board is not upholding, A, the First Amendment, nor is it upholding its own policy on academic freedom. Porn and education don't necessarily have to come together. So we're just done with phrasing, right? Lucky guy. That's all I'll say. Thanks, Joe. Gypsy Rose Blanchard is no longer behind bars. She's a Missouri woman paroled Thursday night, eight years after she confessed to helping murder her abusive mother. In an interview with People magazine before her release from prison yesterday, Gypsy said she now regrets her mother's killing, saying she didn't deserve Some unfortunate breaking news this afternoon. Former U.S. Senator Herb Cole has died. He was 88 years old, died after a brief illness. Something's gone wrong in our process in Washington, very wrong. Well, if I'm elected, I'll be totally independent. After working to secure what is now Pfizer Forum, Cole predicted the Bucks' current run of success when the arena opened in 2018. This arena is going to be here for many years. The Bucks are going to stay here for many years. So I'm a very happy man. Herb will be remembered for his friendliness as well as his generosity. He didn't put on any pretense of importance or snobbery. He was always just himself. He was always just her. Wauwatosa native and local lawyer Brian Randall went to Washington as a high schooler, serving in Senator Cole's first term. He was very effective in a quiet way. Their office manager, she looked at me and said, I don't usually hire high school students, but if Senator Cole is referring you, I'll give you a chance. Not just a senator and Milwaukee sports legend, Herb Cole was a champion for education through his foundation, which gives out grants of $6,000 each year. This year, Greendale High School teacher Jennifer McCauley was a recipient. I felt so honored. My My goal was for me to be able to connect my students to more authentic resources within the community. I will be forever grateful to him. Please give a round of applause for Senator Herb Cole. What a week. Can you get down with that? Lucky guy. Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And the Week in Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. I'm Libby Collins. Coming up to 840, should you be concerned about getting your voice cloned? We'll tell you what to watch for. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News.
Well, we've got some below-freezing surface temperatures. That means there's going to be some slick and slippery spots on bridges and overpasses. So watch out if you're driving. Again, you want to be really careful. It is New Year's Eve. A lot of people are going to be celebrating today. Uh, and we're going to switch to some freezing drivel, drizzle that's going to eventually evolve into snow showers and a wintry mix. We're going to get anywhere from about a half to maybe an inch and a half of snow today. So just be really careful if you're out there on the road race. The high is going to be 37 degrees. Right now, we're at 32 at WTMJ at 842. And as we look to the new year, voice cloning is rapidly becoming more sophisticated. Now, might that affect you? Well, joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is our consumer expert, Michelle Ryan, and from DATCAP. Michelle, should people be concerned? The good side of voice cloning technology, it's becoming increasingly sophisticated due to improvements in the text-to-speech artificial intelligence programs. And that can offer promise with medical assistance for people who've maybe lost their voices due to accidents or illness. But, of course, there's a flip side in people who want to take advantage of that. And scammers are out there targeting families and small businesses with fraudulent extortion scams. They are using artificial intelligence to try and sound like loved ones who are in need and need assistance financially and get those consumers to pay that money. And we certainly don't want that to happen and consumers lose their money that way. And there's other frauds that they're trying to use this with, romance scams, and putting the twist on all sorts of different scams using this artificial intelligence and voice cloning. As a result, the Federal Trade Commission, our national consumer protection partners, running an exploratory challenge to encourage the development of different approaches from products to policies to procedures, and this is aimed at protecting consumers from the bad actors using artificial intelligence and that voice cloning or other biometric data. So the goal of the challenge is to foster breakthrough ideas on preventing, monitoring, and evaluating malicious voice cloning. And there is a $25,000 award, if you will, for whomever wins this challenge. So if people have ideas, Get engaged and go to ftc.gov to really look at the details. And, of course, they've got online submissions through, what, January 2nd through the 12th? Yep, absolutely. The online submission portal will open January 2nd through the 12th of 2024. So now's the time to be creating your ideas for submission. But go look at those details to see how your idea might fit into that product to policy, to procedure framework and providing those breakthroughs. And one more time, what is the website for the FTC? FTC.gov. And again, if you think at some point you're taken advantage of or you've got another consumer question, you can always reach out to the Wisconsin Consumer Hotline. Give us that number, Michelle. 1-800-422-7128. It's 845, 32 degrees at WTMJ. Coming up in just a minute, it's Matt Sossler in sports. Well, if you're out there driving, you want to take it a little bit easy because there's some slick and slippery spots because of all that sort of misty 
freezing stuff out there. As a matter of fact, this freezing drizzle is going to evolve to snow showers and a wintry mix as the day goes on. We're going to see oh, anywhere from about a half inch to maybe an inch and a half of accumulation by the time it's all over, depending on where you are. Our high temperature today is going to be 37. Then tonight, those clouds are going to decrease. It's going to be down to 27 and mostly sunny on Monday with a high of 35. We've got 32 at WTMJ. And uh, we also have our own Matt Miller. We're going to check in with him on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline. He, of course, is the media critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. And, Matt, you are here to celebrate the best and the worst films of 2023. Yeah, it was a good year for movies. There were a lot of really tremendous movies. A lot of garbage, too, but, you know, they can't all be perfect. (laughs) Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. I, no, no, is that your favorite for the year? I, I think Opp, Oppenheimer is my number two movie of the entire year. But the Barbenheimer phenomenon, the Barbie and Oppenheimer combination, and how successful they both were, that both of these director-driven movies, that a three-hour-long, mostly black-and-white movie about a World War II scientist was a billion-dollar grocer, essentially, this year. That That's easily, A, the, the best movie of the year for me, Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. one of the best movies of the year. But also, it's just the best story of the year that people really wanted to go back to theaters and see these kind of very odd, very thoughtful movies over, you know, comic book movies. And it, 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 there is this feeling of hope for 2024 that, you know, maybe the adult drama and maybe the comedy, maybe they'll come back. Maybe people will come back to theaters for a variety of movies as opposed to kind of the the IP and the comic book movie and the remake rebranding that we've had over the past basically decade. All right. I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but everybody I've talked to, they have either one or one of two reactions. One is, oh, my gosh, it was phenomenal. The other was, oh, my gosh, it was too long. But I, I have... I, I, uh, it, it is a long movie. It's three hours. But I will say that movie runs like a freight train, man. Like <laughs> It is the fastest three hours you're going to sit this year. And you get your absolute money's worth. And you are honestly like glued to it the entire time. I, I, I think it, it, it earns its three hours. But the thing is, I haven't talked to a single person, male or female, who didn't like Barbie. It's a great movie. It's a really, really good movie. Greta Gerwig, the director, all she does is make bangers. She debuted with Lady Bird, which is a tremendous movie, one of the best movies of that year. Then she did the Little Women adaptation from 2019, another really great movie, great adaptation that does some interesting things with the story. In case you thought, oh, why does the world need another Little Women story? And then she does Barbie, which, you know, has a personal stamp on it, despite being a Barbie movie, despite making a movie that has the Mattel company play characters in the movie. You know, she really found a way to kind of basically have her cake and eat it on a level that we haven't really seen with like until like the Lego movie, where the Lego movie also had that vibe of like, I'm watching an ad, but it is so creative and so fun and so emotional that you'd forget that you're watching a movie that has been, you know, produced by Mattel. It's a really, really incredible thing. And the fact that we're talking about it, 
think it's an original movie when it should feel like the death of cinema. That, you know, mm-hmm. a Barbie movie making a billion dollars feels like that's something that we should be like, oh, great, you know, now we're going to see a bunch of Polly Pocket movies, which, you know, if Hollywood doesn't learn their lesson right, that is exactly what's going to happen. Um, but hopefully Hollywood learns its lesson this year. We'll see. All right, so those are the top two. But what were the other maybe two or three that you really thought were very, very good for this past year? Yeah, I loved Are You There, God? It's me or Margaret. I think that movie is so funny, so sweet, so wise about growing up and coming of age and understanding that coming of age is your entire life, that every <laughs> that your life isn't just you know becoming an adult and then everything makes sense. Uh, it's a really wonderful movie. Uh, I would love to see Rachel McAdams get nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She's lovely in the film. Uh, and then, actually, my favorite movie of the year was one I saw at the Milwaukee Film Festival this past year called Rice Boy Sleeps. Very small, very delicate Canadian movie about some Korean immigrants, a uh, Korean immigrant mother and her son uh, trying to, you know, find their life together and also in this society. It's a beautiful movie. I sobbed. It hit me like a bag of bricks emotionally. Uh, it's a really tremendous small movie, and I hope people seek it out. It, again, it's a tiny film, uh, but it is a beautiful movie, and that's that's my favorite thing I saw this year. All right. And, and can you still see that anywhere? It should be streaming uh, in many places. I know I saw it on even on like an air, uh, airplane. I remember seeing it as one of the options. Uh, but I was like, gosh, I, I can't watch this on an airplane. Otherwise, I'll, I will cry all over this airplane and nobody wants that. <laughs> all right. Speaking of crying, what were the worst movies that you saw this past year? Yeah, I, I'll start with Weenie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, the Weenie the Pooh horror movie, because now Weenie the Pooh is on public use. Uh, it is so cynical. Like, listen, I'm not going to be like moral police and be like, how could you make a horror movie out of Weenie the Pooh? You know, there's a fun movie that you could have made, but this is the laziest, cheapest, most cynical version of it. It's awful. It made me upset that I was in the theater for it. Uh, I would also say uh, the Expend Forbles, the fourth Expendables movie, uh, is real trash. It's real garbage movie. I think I would have loved to see an 80s-style throwback action movie. This ain't it, between all the CGI and the fact that characters are just, It's just a crummy movie that feels like maybe it's a tax shelter as opposed to an actual movie. <laughs> uh, hated that. Uh, yeah, I think those are some of the worst things I saw this year. And then, you know, I, I really didn't like the, the Aquaman movie that came out this Christmas. It felt like the ultimate death of the comic book movie this year, where it's just it has nothing interesting to do. It is poorly made, poorly CGI'd. There's, there's nothing there for anybody. Uh, and if that is how the DC Universe goes out, uh, it is a deserving death. They died how they lived, trying to imitate Marvel <laughs> movies and failing. Sounds a little like the real Titanic. Uh, listen, Matt, I look forward to working with you next year as we discuss all those upcoming films of 2024. And I know next weekend we'll take a look and you'll give us an idea of what to really be excited about for the new year. Thanks so much for being here with us. And Happy New Year to you, Mark. Uh, Matt. See you next, see you next year. <laughs> all right. Sounds like a plan. 
This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Liddy Collins. And we're here till 10 o'clock this morning. And coming up this hour, we're going to take a look back at some of our very influential politicians that we talked to here in the uh, last 12 months. But uh, before we do anything else, we've got Jessica Gatso here. Jessica, do you know what day it is? It is New Year's Eve. Oh, no, 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 no. It's more than that. It's this day. One, two, three. It's one, two, three, one, two, three. I have been waiting all year to say that, Jessica. Yes. How can I miss that? Got it. One, two, three, one, two, three, because it's 12, 31, 23. Get it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But you know, I really got to celebrate tonight, right? Exactly. Well, you know, the old farmer's almanac said that one, two, three, one, two, three can depict a spiritual awakening. It also feels like a mental preparation for a year that will be a completely new energetic landscape. Well, sounds, sounds like a lot sound, of jumbo, yeah, say this sounds jumbo, kind of like an it? automatic New Year's resolution. <laughs> more than that but yeah hopefully at midnight well just before midnight i hope every all the djs out there play this song one two three one two three get it yes and, well, oh they by should. the way if if you are out celebrating tonight and i know we've got this story on the uh, uh website about the uh the 35th year of the miller light free rides program and and uh there's no reason at least if you're in milwaukee to uh be drinking and driving tonight for sure. The free ride starts to, I think it starts at 8 tonight and goes through 4 a.m. Yeah, and again, we've got all the details on that. Um, over 3,000 free rides were offered last year to people around Milwaukee, and I'm sure this year we're going to see more of the same. But again, all the details at WTMJ.com. Uh, are you doing anything special, Jess? My plans are fondue at a friend's house. Ooh, fondue. You know, I. that's interesting you bring that up. I always used to do fondue um, at midnight. When my son was really yeah. little, my husband and I, we'd, we'd always have a little fondue party, just, just the three of us. Uh, not this year. This year, I must be out of my mind. We're having a sit-down dinner for 10 people at our house. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Very I know. different. I, I, I got to be crazy. Uh, but anyway, tomorrow, I don't know if I'll feel up to this, but a lot of people will. Well, as we ring in the new year tonight, there are only two things left to do on New Year's Day. You can go jump in the lake or go fly a kite. Joining us on our Tri-County Contracting <laughs> Hotline is Scott Fisher. He's from Gift of Wings. I love that you're laughing at this, Scott. <laughs> Well, there are only two things, good morning, Libby, <laughs> that you could do on New Year's Day. Go jump in the lake or go fly a kite. <laughs> All right, so and that's what you're going to be doing. Tell us about flying kites on New Year's Day. Well, I can tell you for sure I'm not going to jump in the lake, but we'll be down <laughs> at Veterans Park. And this, I can't believe it, it's the 37th year that we've been doing the Cool Fool Kite and Ice and Snow Carving Festival in Veterans Park, which is right down by the Art Museum, right on Milwaukee's beautiful lakefront. 
So our plan is we're going to start at 11 o'clock. We'll go till 5 or what I like to say is until I can't stand it anymore, <laughs> depending on the weather. And we're going to invite everybody to come down and fly kites. And it's a great way to bring in the new year. I do have a professional kite flyer. Jake Peters will be coming in and he's going to be bringing giant kites. Imagine a kite shaped like an octopus that's 150 feet long, is red, and will be flying over Milwaukee's lakefront. I mean, a lot of people have seen this kite because we fly it all the time down there. But it's huge. It's humongous. Or we've got a whale that's over 100 feet long. And just imagine this whale is so big. If you wanted to, I wouldn't let you, but if you wanted to, you could drive a school bus in the mouth of this whale. I'm overwhelmed with this description. And in addition to that, you know, hopefully we're going to have those freezing temperatures. You'll be able to try your hand at carving ice? Yes, the quiet ice carvers, the quiet ice carvers, they're coming down, and they're one of the number one teams in the United States for carving ice. They go down to Lake Geneva, and I think they won first place last year. So they are going to be trying their hand at carving snow and ice down at the lakefront. And our plan is, if everybody's wondering, what are you going to do for snow? We've got a snow-making machine. We're all ready. And we're going to make snow down there, and we're going to cart some snow in, and we'll have snow and our ice blocks for people to carve. And again, it's all free. Plus, you're going to have free hot chocolate, coffee, even some snacks. Right. This is our way of saying thank you to all of our customers and all the folks that come down to the lakefront every year. You know, we do a kite festival in May, and we do one in September. And believe it or not, Veterans Park is one of the top 10 best kite flying parks in the United States. So it's my way of saying, you know, thanks a lot for everything. and We sure do appreciate your business. And so we're going to be giving away free hot chocolate and coffee and we've got snacks. It's just going to be one of those really fun days that people can come out and do something on New Year's Day. Well, it sounds like a great event for the family. Kickoff 2024 right on the lakefront by Veterans Park. It all gets underway tomorrow at 11 a.m. Scott Fisher, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Libby. I should also point out that we will be having a sale on kites so people can buy kites if you don't have a kite. But we encourage everybody to come down either with a kite or buy a kite at Gift of Wings. Just go fly a kite, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Libby, you beat my beat me to the punch here. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, it's quite an end to the to the old year because we've got some patchy freezing drizzle this morning and then a chance of snow showers and a wintry mix. Um, by the time this is over, we're probably looking at about a half to an inch and a half of snow. Um, our high today is going to be 37 degrees. That The clouds will go away tonight, 27 for a low. Tomorrow, sun comes back, 35 degrees, and on Tuesday, partly cloudy and breezy. 38 for a high. And on Wednesday, uh, looks like you get another chance of flurries and a high of 36. Already some flurries around uh, southeastern Wisconsin. Madison is showing some snowflakes, 30 degrees there. Racine, you've got 31 and a little bit of snow. Elkhart Lake, also a little bit of snow at 31 degrees. And we have 31 at WTMJ at 922. Well, as I start out the show this morning, I said, you know, politically, we are really looking ahead to 2024 because that's when Milwaukee is hosting that RNC and as we end 
2023. I want to look back at some of these politically um, attached interviews that we did. And, and Eric Bilston had the opportunity to talk with legendary journalist Bob Woodward at an event at the UWM Waukesha campus. And, of course, Bob Woodward has covered presidencies, 11 different presidents over 50 years. And Eric was fortunate enough to be among a small group of reporters who talked with uh, Mr. Woodward about Richard Nixon, Donald Trump, and the presidency in general. It's nearly been 50 years since Nixon resigned. And I know he's been gone a long time, but if he were alive today, (laughs) how do you think he'd react to all of it? Well, you know, that's speculation, and I I try to avoid speculation how he would react to it. The similarities between Trump and Nixon are immense. They're different, but there are a lot of similarities for the 50th anniversary book version of All the President's Men, Carl Bernstein, and I did a new introduction which uh, begins with George Washington's farewell address in 1797, in which Washington said, unprincipled men will seek and hold the presidency. And Carl and I kind of thought, well, Nixon was unique. And uh, then along came Donald Trump to surprise us, and there are these similarities. And in 2019 and 2020, Bob Woodward spent a lot of time talking to Donald Trump. Many of those interviews took place over the phone. We would be at home that year, and the phone would ring, and we would think, is it one of our two daughters? Is it a friend? Is it a robocall? Or is it Donald Trump? And it would often be Donald Trump. Was there a random time when Trump called, like middle of the night? or Not the middle of the night, but late at night, 10 or 11 o'clock. And these interviews ended up becoming part of the Trump tapes, an exclusive inside story of Trump's performance as president in his own words. And uh, as he was questioned and even interrogated by Bob Woodward. Do you think you'll ever interview Trump again? I don't know. Do you want to? Well, you know, I'm always anxious to interview anyone who's relevant, but there is a convergence of this political hate in the wars in the Middle East, certainly Hamas, Israel, Putin's invasion of Ukraine is driven somewhat by hate and the idea, well, Ukraine, we own them, they're irrelevant. And some of the political campaigns now are driven by hate. And how do you diffuse that? Bob Woodward was also asked about the challenges of being president and whether age matters. Is 80 too old to be president? I mean, who is it? Is 80 too old to be a reporter? My wife asks that question. (laughs) Do you recall a president who struggled with exhaustion or or seemed to not be able to handle the 
the stress of it more than say another president? Well, that's that's a really good. I mean, the presidency is is just stressful. I've done a number of books on Nixon, and one of them describes how Nixon, every afternoon, would go into a little alcove off the Oval Office where he had a bed or a place he could lie down, take off his trousers so, so they wouldn't get wrinkled, his shirt, his coat, I believe, and and have a cottage cheese lunch and then lie down and take a nap. And a final thing. Eric asked Woodward how the presidency has changed since the Nixon administration. The power of the office and the presidency has increased substantially in that time. Each, each new president has new powers. And, of course, that is the legendary Bob Woodward. Yep, yep, that one. You know, Woodward and Bernstein, you probably remember them from Watergate. It's 927. Um, as we look ahead after the news, I'm going to, uh, if you didn't have a chance to hear it when we talked with him about a month or so ago, former Attorney General uh, Bill Barr. I had a chance to talk with him this past year as well. We're going to bring that to you. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, 32 degrees at 927 on WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins, as we've been saying. It's the end of 23, and we're looking forward to 2024, where the big story here in Milwaukee is going to be the Republican National Convention. So, what better time and the last day of the year than to look back at some of the politicians that we've spoken to this year. And that includes former Attorney General Bill Barr, who I talked with about the fentanyl crisis. In a recent Fox News op-ed, two-time Attorney General Bill Barr warned, counterfeit drugs continue to threaten the lives and health of millions of Americans. Joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is former AG Bill Barr. And sir, what's motivated you to take on this cause? Well, the ravaging of our communities, and especially young people with counterfeit drugs, I think we all know the very acute problem that fentanyl poses and how drugs are being made to look like Adderall, Percocet, Xanax, and so forth, but they actually contain potentially lethal amounts of fentanyl, and that's what's driving all the drug overdose deaths. But there's a broader problem, which is organized crime around the world producing drugs, even drugs like anti-cancer drugs, anti-HIV drugs, and so forth, and trying to uh, insinuate them into our drug distribution system here. And that exploits older people and poses severe health risks to Americans. So we have to get our arms around this, and part of it is educating people. So I really uh, am I'm glad that you're uh, having this program and informing people about this problem. Where are these pills coming from, specifically? Well, the pills that involve fentanyl are coming from Mexico. The fentanyl itself, the precursors, the chemicals that are used to make fentanyl come mainly from China, but they also come from places like India. And those precursor chemicals are ordered up by groups that are working for the Mexican cartels. And then the pills are fabricated mostly in Mexico, but they've started to set up some production plants here in the U.S. And they're made to look like and labeled as legitimate drugs, as I said, like Xanax and Percocet and so forth. 
and then they're distributed. They're not distributed in the drugstores. They're distributed over the internet and through social media, and that's what's causing most of the uh, increase in drug overdose right now. Yeah, my understanding is that between like 2019 and 2021, deaths from fake pills more than doubled. Was this crisis on your radar while you were heading the Justice Department? Oh yes, it was overall drug deaths mainly by opioids, and. When I went into the department, it was approximately 70,000 a year, and it was flat initially. And then during the very last part of my tenure, the fentanyl started being introduced in very high amounts. And we actually brought down opioid deaths initially because a lot of those were due to the diversion of legitimate opioid made in the United States and then diverted out of the market. And once we started getting a hold on that, unfortunately, fentanyl started coming in and these Mexican pills. And that's the thing that has been out of control since I left office. We've had the numbers soar now up to 109,000 overdoses, deaths a year, and that's driven by the fentanyl. What are they doing to stop the influx? of these counterfeit drugs? Because they are very small, it's not like big bulk packages like marijuana used to be and even the kilos of cocaine and so forth. These are small pills and they're coming over and based on seizures, it's escalating. Now, one thing we have within our control that we could do is secure the border more because a lot of this stuff obviously is coming across the border. And the freer the access to the border, the higher the amount that comes in. So we have to do that. And then we do these investigations of the distribution networks in the United States. And there have been massive seizures. Just the other day in Boston, there was one that, you know, they had enough uh, fentanyl to kill, uh, you know, a lot of the country. Uh, And and, uh, so there are these, we're seizing it. And uh, the United States government is seizing it. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to bring a lot more pressure on Mexico to get control over these cartels because they're acting with impunity down in Mexico. They're not really under pressure in Mexico, and therefore they're free to operate. And we, we have to start pushing the Mexicans to be much more aggressive with the cartels. But on the demand side, one of the most important things is what we're talking about here today and explain to young people that they may think they're taking a study drug or a party drug or a anxiety drug, and they get it from a friend, and it's potentially uh, their last moments alive. And when you go outside the authorized system, that is, you don't buy your drugs in a registered and, and licensed drugstore, you're taking your life into your hands. We're talking with former Attorney General Bill Barr. And, sir, in your first term as AG, you wrote a report, and it argued for the case for more incarceration. Do you think that would make a difference in the distribution of these fake pills? I definitely think that people who are involved in fentanyl is is not just a drug. It's a poison. And to me, when you sell fentanyl, it's like shooting into a crowd. You know that you're going to be killing people. And... I think we should have the strongest possible penalties against people who distribute fentanyl and similar kinds of drugs like that. And because there's so much money involved, the temptation is so high because of the money. One of the only ways to inhibit it is to promise very strong penalties. Now, that alone can't win 
the battle, but it's an important thing that we have to have. Um, now, a lot of the gangs that are coming across uh, the border and, and, and reinforcing gangs that are already here, they're involved in the distribution of these drugs, and we have to go after them, too. There are a lot of steps that we have to take. We have to put more pressure on the Chinese to clamp down on the production of these precursor chemicals and to control their shipments much more carefully so they're not going to the cartels. In just two minutes, you'll hear what I asked Bill Barr about Donald Trump and whether or not he's fit to be president. And we're coming back. It's 944, 32 degrees. Uh, we're we're going to wait just a couple minutes before we get to Matt Sossler in sports because I want to go back to our conversation with former Attorney, Attorney General Bill Barr. Now, he served under two presidents, both uh, the first President Bush as well as Donald Trump. And I asked him about the legal jeopardy Donald Trump faces. Former Attorney General Bill Barr, do you believe Donald Trump is fit to be president? I don't think Biden is anywhere near fit to be president, and I prefer not to have Trump as president. I think that there are other Republican candidates who are capable of winning, and I think our country can do better than a rerun of Biden versus Trump. It's time for younger leadership to step forward. As the holiday season wraps up, you're probably looking at that big natural Christmas tree and saying, what in the world do I do with it? Well, joining us on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Sarah Howard. She's the Executive Director of Visit Pleasant Prairie. And since 1980, Sarah, you have been having the 12-night bonfire in Pleasant Prairie. And this is a great way for people to donate their trees to a really fun family event. Yes, we know exactly what to do with that tree. <laughs> our community is asking for those trees, and they can be dropped off at the event site from now until the day of the event. You can even hitch that tree on your way to attending the event on Saturday. This event started in Pleasant Prairie in the 1980s, and then there was a bit of a pause, and then we reignited it just a few years ago, and the community has been very, very excited about it, and it's one of our signature events. Okay, so you can bring your tree there now, or you can wait until you come on Saturday evening. Where exactly does this take place? So it takes place at 9999, that's four nines, Park Drive in Pleasant Prairie. So it's in Prairie Springs Park. It's our largest park right next to the Rexplex, and it's on the shores of Lake Andrea. So it's a beautiful backdrop along a really huge bonfire (laughs) for the event. And you've got refreshments, too. I mean, and caroling. It sounds like a really fun time. When does this all get underway? We're very mindful that we're working with the weather. So we've had some really, really chilly 12th night events. So we try and keep it short and sweet, but memorable nonetheless. So at 530, people can come through the the RUC uh, doors, the RUC pavilion doors, which is the address that I provided, where we have free hosted hospitality and people can expect hot chocolate coffee, a cookie. We also have s'more packets because we have like smaller little bonfire spots along the beach where people can roast their marshmallows and enjoy a s'more. We also have some other really fun giveaways. One of the really unique things that we do for this event is that every attendee that is walking through the pavilion, they get entered into the chance to be selected as our holiday cheermeister. And as the holiday cheermeister, you are the first one to assist our fire department in lighting the big bonfire, the big show, as we call it. 
<laughs> and then at six o'clock is when we do a brief welcome. The cheermeister lights up the fire with the fire department. And then we start, you know, we're singing as a community holiday song favorite with the help of a professional troupe. They're the Lola Barge holiday carolers. So they help us guide in singing along the huge bonfire. Well, it is a fun, free family-friendly event. It takes place Saturday evening, January 6th. It's at 5.30. That's when they're asking you to get there to Lake Andrea in Pleasant Prairie. Sarah Howard, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, we know we've had below freezing temperatures on that surface and slick and slippery spots, uh, especially if you're on the roadways near bridges and overpasses. But uh, we're also looking at some... uh, some snow showers and maybe even a wintry mix. Now, by the time this is all over, it's going to be somewhere between a half and an inch and a half of uh, snow accumulated with a high of 37. Then tonight, decreasing clouds down to 27 and the start of New Year's Day for the 2024 beginning. Looks mostly sunny and a high of 35. We've got 32 at WTMJ at 9. 55. Well, I'm going to be back here at 11 o'clock with WTMJ Conversations. Very special guests, especially after the holidays, as we're all feeling like we ate too much. Uh, what, if anything, would you do if you were going to eat seven or eight pounds of food for a single sitting challenge? Professional eater Katina DeJarnett shared her secret with me. How do you prepare for something like that? What I like to do to prepare for that is I like to eat a large, lower calorie meal of vegetables, like a giant salad that's about five, five and a half pounds. And then afterwards, drink a two liter of diet soda. And the bubbles in that giant soda basically help expand you even more. So in the end, I may be only having seven and a half pounds total of volume, but that little bit of gas from the soda kind of gives me maybe that little extra stretch. And that usually gets me prepared pretty well. You seem to approach this almost like a professional athlete. In a way, yes. I think anybody who's ever played sports has to have a certain mental focus. What's going on in your mind? How do you stay focused? Between five and six pounds, there's really not nerves anymore. So unless there's some sort of crazy curveball, like it's cooked funny or I just happen to not like the taste, I'm quite confident that I'm going to win, mostly.